Welcome to Gritty Girls, the podcast. I'm Jillian Christie, and my passion and calling is really all about helping as many women realize that they have a scalable superpower, grit. If you're into hearing from badass, world-class women who just happen to be top chefs, athletes, entrepreneurs, filmmakers, artists, and activists on how they achieve their loftiest goals despite their greatest life challenges, then you don't want to miss the Gritty Girls podcast. Your journey to get inspired by phenomenal women around the globe and to learn how to cultivate more grit in your life starts now. Have you ever had that gut feeling that you're meant for greatness? That your purpose in life is not only to accomplish some great big goals and make your mark in this world, but to do so on your own terms? In 2012, this small brainstorming club between three friends sparked the beginnings of the new health beverage powerhouse, Health Aid Kombucha. And a mere seven years after combining forces and quitting their nine to fives, none other than conglomerate Coca-Cola invests 20 million into the Los Angeles-based little beverage that could. This journey was filled with tears, sleepless nights, income-less months, and more hard work than anyone imagined. Even well-intentioned family trying to steer an ambitious, spirited daughter back onto the far less risky path of going back to her, quote, normal life and good job. So how did CSO and co-founder Vanessa do stay the course and fight for a dream when all the odds felt so stacked against her? That's what we're going to explore in the following conversation. Hey, how are you? I'm so good. Thanks for asking. It's It's been an interesting year, of course. Um, and you have a new, like a whole new life. with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I have a whole new life, like a baby life. Um, He's the just, cutest thing ever. He's oh, so you. I love him so much. It's so weird because like I think about my life before and I think about it now. I'm like, wow, it's so different. Um, but I'm loving it. And so yeah. I'm good to be at home with him. And then, but I've also been equally excited to just get back into it um yeah it's just because like I miss adult conversations I do miss adult things like <laughs> I miss drinks with my girlfriends but no one's really doing that right now so yeah. um you know it is what it is we'll get back to that soon totally totally I know I miss I definitely miss that as well um yeah. I saw that well it was just recent your recently your birthday too happy birthday Oh yeah. Thank you. I know that also. So I was like, what do you do for your birthday? I feel like before <laughs> I used to throw like these huge like theme parties that were like ragers and then yeah. I was like, all right, like you got, maybe I'll, I'll just sleep in, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so. maybe, maybe we'll get back to the ragers one day too. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> really I know. With, the, with the little one. Yeah. So I mean, it's so interesting. Cause usually, you know, I, I love to start like tell me why you're doing the thing, you know, but I know, I know a lot of your story and your story is phenomenal and it's so interesting and, and just how, you know, even health aid came about. Um, but I, you know, I like I do like to get into the earlier times, like what, what was your, your dream and what led you, like, how did your path lead you to, I think it was 2012 when you found yeah. Yeah. yeah, 2012 seems like a lifetime ago, but also seems like a blink of an eye, honestly. Um, so 
Um, in 2012, me and my best friend and her husband, we started this entrepreneur club, which was just a space where we can talk about different business ideas, brainstorm what was going on in our heads. Because for us, what we were doing at that time, the nine to five just wasn't it. There was just something within each of us that said there's something more out there and that, you know, let's go figure out what that is. And it just felt in our gut, not where, not where our path was supposed to lead us. And we were searching for something more. So at those entrepreneur clubs, it was literally just a great dinner, great wine over brainstorming different business ideas. Cause we all felt this need to kind of create something that is ours, our own business, our own mark in this world. And it was um, funny to look back at the different businesses that we were brainstorming at the time. And it was all uh, based upon this idea that there are pains in our life that we could figure out a solution to. Mm. Um, so everything from not being able to find a parking spot on the street, to you know a smart thermometer for your oven um to i don't have this problem personally but um girls who have really skinny calves when your <laughs> boots slouch down and you need something to keep them up so it's like one of those um just a great brainstorming i session. don't have that problem either usually i'm trying to get the boots up you know yeah i, I know <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I, I think I was like, wait, the market may not be that big for this because I think it's fewer women actually have this issue. Yeah. But um, so in the end, we started Health Aid because a little known story is that, you know, one day Justin came home um, because he was distraught um, after going to his hairdresser because he was basically sentenced to baldness by 30 years old. And um, it was, you know, we thought, why don't we create an all natural hair loss product? And we had heard anecdotally that kombucha could be good for it. Um, Dinah had been brewing kombucha since her grad school days. And then um, we thought, you know, the hair loss industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. We could do something that's disruptive, all natural. So why don't we try it? And so that's how we started brewing kombucha in our kitchen, really. But in the end, we had a great tasting product and there is certainly a market need for something making you feel good. And so we started selling at the farmer's market and the rest is history. Wow. That's like, that's such an incredible, it's almost like those stories you hear of the, the mistakes of like, oh, we were trying to make this thing. And then this, this was created like the, I think Stacy's pita chips or something like that had happened that way too. She was making pita and then they turned into chips because they cooked them right. really long ones, you know? Right, right, so right. It's yeah. like one of those stories and it's so interesting. It's so phenomenal. Did it ever, like, how was the application going to be for the hair? Was it just going to be drinking it or was it like, Oh, no, it was like a topical. So we were, um, it wasn't actually the kombucha itself that were was the uh, concoction, if you will, the hair loss remedy. It was actually the SCOBY, what we used to ferment the cult, it's the culture used to ferment. And so we were mashing that up and making it a hair, a hair mask. So we were applying it on Justin's head, just as you would like a normal hair mask, and then rinsing it out and counting his hairs over cheesecloth. So it was like slightly ridiculous and <laughs> um, totally just not what you would say is, uh, um, you know, the necessarily the right thing, but it felt like the right thing for us at the time. And it led us to the perfect thing, which was health aid. Oh my gosh. So perfect. So amazing. And I mean, I don't know anyone who doesn't love health aid and, and we can get into more, like, I know you have new product lines and everything, which is super exciting. Um, but I'm, I'm really curious, like what, 
what were, before you got together, what made y'all decide? I know you were saying like, you didn't want to keep doing the nine to five thing and, and you, there was something more out there, but what was the, the impetus of like, I can't do whatever I was doing before. Like, it's just, no. Yeah. So I mean, for me personally, I was working in pharma, pharmaceuticals, and that's where I had met Diana. It was our first job ever out, out of school. And for me, um, you know, I've always, I love science. I love innovation technology. Um, but you know, when you think about the things that are putting, you're putting inside your body and just the whole drug industry, it didn't, necessarily vibe right with me. Um, so that was one thing. And then the second thing was, I just remember, um, one, there's like all these ridiculous things that would happen in the life of pharmaceutical sales, honestly. But I remember one day it was, um, one of the doctors was asking me to like get him lunch and then he'll write our product or something. And I just remember thinking, okay, the, I've studied way more than I think I am. Like I, I can bring so much more value to this world than you know, being ordering food for someone in order for them to write our product at the time. Yeah. And it just didn't um, feel like where I, where my energy was, and where I should be placing my energy. And so I remember that was kind of like the last straw, but amidst that whole time period, I was just feeling like there was something else out there for me. Um, um, ever since I was little, to be honest, like really starting my own thing. But um, I think that just seeing corporate culture and seeing those interactions really made me think, okay, there has to be something else out there. Um, and interestingly enough, I actually did try and buy time. So I went to business school um, to try and figure it out. That was like my quarter life crisis. Um, but then it was also more signs pointed me toward starting something that was an entrepreneurial venture than going back into the consulting or corporate world. I love it. I love it. So so you went, you were buying your time, you went back into, or you went to business school probably while you were doing this entrepreneurial club. Oh yeah. That's so amazing. Like, so did you, did y'all, um, I mean, as you were going through these different ideas, did you start, uh, prototyping the other things or were you just like, this is, you know, this is the thing Let's like, yeah. Go yeah. No, the thing about us as a trio is that we were just hyper-focused on, um, winning, we held each other accountable. So with each of these different ideas, it was like, okay, let's understand the feasibility. Let's um, come back next week to these meetings, like having done some work. Uh, And then so we would test the feasibility, like, could we even create an app to help us you know, figure out a parking spot finder. Um, How much would be the investment? Would it be go or no go? Like, is this even worth our while? Stuff like that. So every week we came back to the table really uh, with some answers. So alongside, you know, Pear Loss and Kombucha, we were looking at other other ventures. Um, But it was just so happened that, you know, when we decided hair loss was not for us, we decided to really give selling kombucha a go. And the closest thing to us was the farmer's markets in terms of accessibility. Um, And so we thought that would be the easiest way to get our product into our consumer's hands. And so, you know, I remember from the time that we decided that we were going to start selling the farmer's markets to the actual time of selling the farmer's markets, it was maybe less than a month. And so, um, it was, I mean, we're definitely like a, a fast working crew. 
in that yeah. way. Oh my gosh. I, well, and I was going to say, it sounds like such a well-oiled machine. I was curious if there were, if there were any times where, you know, when you're working as a team and maybe just things aren't like coming together and maybe people aren't doing all that they say they're going to do the accountability piece. Was there ever times where you y'all were just like, Oh man, we got to do better. We got to work harder. Um, oh, every week, all the time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it seems like a well-oiled machine, but at the time it was like, why can we not get our shit together? <laughs> um, and so I remember probably two times. So for me personally, I am, which like, I'm definitely like an optimist. I'm just like, what could be um, the what ifs? Um, so is Dinah and Justin is definitely more of the realist of our crew. And so like, as we're concocting those different ideas or the what ifs, he's always the one thinking like, okay, what could go wrong? And, you know, how do we make sure that we don't find ourselves in trouble? So um, in that way, it's always been a good balance. But I remember one time, you know, in the, I think it was like the third month of business for us. Um, I think Justin was in charge of labels and you know, we had been running so quickly. We've been selling out every weekend. I think he placed the label order maybe one day too late. So we were just out of labels for like a little bit of time. And so I just remember like, oh, how do we scramble to figure out, you know, the solution for the next two days? And we all banded together. We printed up at like, you know, the FedEx Kinkos and just hand applied them. Wow. So, I mean, that stuff happened regularly, though. It was more of like, okay, this happened and we have to figure out a way to get over this. So um, we were, I would say though, as a trio, we worked really well, not just holding each other accountable to make sure that we uh, rolled with the punches, but then pushed where we could just to make sure that we were always moving forward and picking each other up where we may have totally tripped a bit. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, that sounds like, I mean, it sounds like a very normal like whoopsie thing in the beginning, like, oh, we need more labels. And especially probably a great problem to have because that means you're selling, right? So yeah. what do you think was was either, I mean, also personally too, because y'all are starting this thing now, your lives are all changing, really getting this this motor going, this, this train on the tracks. What would you say was like kind of the most difficult time or, or peace in that startup place, like either personally or even professionally as a trio, um, yeah. like the struggle? Well, I would say so years zero through um, maybe zero, it was from like 2012 to I would say about 2016 for me, that was just so that four year period was um, highly tumultuous, I would say, in different ways. And I would say it came in the way of money, like stress about money, both for me and also the business. Um, in the beginning, we were paying ourselves maybe $600 every six weeks, if that. Um, and so we were just always trying to put more money back into the business to reinvest. And so in that way, it was really tough in the very early um, stages. And then, you know, the stressors of leaving a bit, leaving a career where you had a very cushy job, but also a great paycheck, um, that type of um, money stress does, it, it helps people work more urgently and kind of put some fire under your butt to get things going, which it did for us, but um, it's also a stress in your life. Um, and then, you know, me being Asian American, I start quitting my job and starting a kombucha company wasn't necessarily the first thing that my parents had their goals of for me. And so yeah, in the very beginning, I encountered a lot of naysaying from 
like my family, a couple of my friends. And I think at the heart of it, they just wanted to make sure that I was well taken care of and safe. And um, so it never came from a bad place. It was just very misaligned to my, uh, my core, I guess. And so that was another piece that was very, very hard in the beginning. Um, and then make you want to like actually consider, you know, going back to uh, nine to five, like that kind of, that kind of, uh, guidance slash pressure from family or friends. Um, none of that really made me want to actually, I am a very, uh, against the grain type person. So the more that someone tells me to do something, I think the more I want to do the opposite of, um, so that was actually fueling me to move forward into this whole thing. Um, but what I think made me just think about the, what ifs grass is always greener is, you know, in the beginning stages we were working the farmers markets we were making all of the kombucha ourselves and so it was very physically taxing in addition to just mentally taxing and just your pull all sorts of ways to grow the business and so I remember there was one day where you know we um made health aid in two and a half gallon glass jars. We bought those glass jars back in the day from Bed Bath and Beyond. Mm. And we got smart and we're like, why don't we just buy these glass jars from the manufacturer instead and we'll save some money. And so I remember we bought maybe 250 of them and we were so cheap and trying to save money. We didn't opt for inside delivery. And we're having this like huge 50 foot truck come like deliver to our apartment. <laughs> and so um, but what inside delivery meant is that the truck driver would take in the product for you. Um, in this case, he did not. And because he was union, he couldn't. And but so, I, yeah, and I was just, I was a single person on duty that day. Cause at the time, Justin and Dinah had not quit their jobs just yet. I was the one to kind of take that first plunge. And I remember moving these 250 glass jars, like by myself, um, as this guy's just watching me, plus like a full day of like manual work. So it was crazy. And so it was, I think that I remember that day just being bloodied and sweaty and just at my physical end that I'm just thinking, what is this life going to be? Um, yeah. so I think it was in those times that I really needed my partners just to really help pick me up and see the what if, and we we're always there for each other in that way. But it was less so my family and friends to steer me away, more so those moments of like really hard times and like feeling that that roughness. Totally. I mean, and it's it seems like there is a lot of different factors in you know, contributing to you really having to use your, your perseverance to like, keep going and like mental fortitude also yeah. just like, I mean, the, the, the labor and then the, the naysayers as good as t- intentioned as they are, it still kind of gets to your psyche, you know, yeah. like, would you say, I know you were saying too, as a, as a kiddo, you were like very entrepreneurial in spirit as well. Uh, where would you say you kind of developed that? Like, you know what, I'm going to prove you wrong. I can do this. Like, where did that start for you? Where do you develop? Yeah, that? I mean, I like to, maybe it's daddy issues, like in the heart of it. No, I mean, so both my parents, they were immigrants and they were, you know, studied really hard. They did the typical like double um, engineering grad school degrees and got great jobs and very uh, well established in their careers. And so that's all good for them. Um, but really like when I, took stock of it. Like I thought about my dad and he was very much a self-made man in that, in that he 
um, got laid off from his jobs. Like you can never count on your corporation, like keeping you on forever. And so I remember when I was five years old, he, he got laid off. And, but for the most part, he's always been uh, providing a great life for us. And it's because from that point, he was smart to like pivot to money management, hedge fund management. He's able to create his own business from that point in his life. And so I'm really proud of him. And when I thought about their upbringing, kind of what their thoughts were around like strong education, getting a really safe job. When I really sat back, my dad was very entrepreneurial. So I think Mm -hmm. growing up, I always saw that. Um, And so subconsciously, I think that that was always within me as well as for, you know, pivoting, going with the, um, not going with the punches, but really making your life what you want it to be. Um, And so I saw that firsthand and it didn't really materialize for me until I started building my business and really saw that that's where I think that has stemmed from. Totally. And, and I mean, just like an immigrant mentality too, very, you have to be very gritty. You have to like, just get through the thing. You have to make it happen. Um, So it just seems like it's, it's, you know, definitely something learned and and developed through, through, um, you know, just seeing your parents, just seeing your dad, especially, you know, Um, you, I, I know you were saying that, you know, those first four years, uh, you know, 2012 to 2016, that's when it was just like, oh, probably the hardest to kind of really keep pushing through. Um, what would you say, even though now it's it's a little more relaxed, it seems for you, um, I'm sure it's, I mean, running a business is not relaxed, but <laughs> but yeah. a little bit easier. Um, what would you say you still struggle with, either personally yeah. or professionally, you know? Yeah, I would say there's always like a new chapter of health aid. And I think there's always like a new chapter of self. It it may not align necessarily, but for me right now, I guess here, my struggles are, I would say three big ones. One is coming back from being off with my baby. It's now health aid, definitely well established in the sense where we have a strong brand, strong team, strong product, over a hundred million dollars in retail sales. So like great, great growth. Um, but then I think the struggle is taking it to that next level when it comes to um, just being even more in leveling up, even more in terms of what our brand really means to consumers. And I actually think this is like the harder mental exercise around uh, what it means to really get a team to move the machine forward when it isn't such a small team and it isn't yourself and it isn't just you and your partner. So I would say now the struggle is I can see the vision of where I want to build the business to. It's now building the teams to get there to it. Um, and because now we're more established, it seems like, you know, you're balancing the startup mentality alongside, you know, processes and systems and, you know, a better run business that is all for the good of health aid, but um, sometimes it could be at odds with each other. And so there's that. I would say another um, struggle is finding, I mean, before it was just me. I mean, yes, I had my significant other, but we had a really we had it easy where we didn't have to you know, keep another being alive in right. the form of a baby. <laughs> uh, and so I would say that's a struggle for me is just really finding the right blend of what it means to devote myself to 
my family, my baby, but then also what, you know, giving the health aid the energy that I know it needs to still thrive and cultivate into the direction that we all know we want to take it to. Mm. Uh, so there's that. And then third is, you know, there's, um, I, I wouldn't say this if you would have asked me you know, four months ago prior to having a baby, but I am struggling a bit with uh, my personal, um, and it's not worth because I feel very valuable, but it's more about um, my new, like my new body in a sense, like my new, um, I guess the things that I do and you know, post-pregnancy, breastfeeding, um, postpartum, just all learning my body again, really. And I feel like that's been a struggle for me where, you know, I've been able to do high intensity workouts and run three miles and it isn't, uh, it's a breeze. And now it's definitely a struggle to kind of get mm -hmm. back into it. Yeah. So just getting, tapping back into my core, like physically. Yeah. And, and I mean, just as a new mother, I personally don't know yet, but I will <laughs> someday. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can't imagine too, just your, your, you know, kind of getting to know yourself again, where you are getting to know this new being, and then also putting so much effort towards health aid. Did you did you take any time uh, for yourself and and your new baby boy? Um, yes, I did, and I feel really blessed in that way that I did get to take um, a good. I took three months where I um, I was still like keeping up with things, but I'm really blessed to know that I have a team that was able to really you know, hold hold down business, hold thing, hold down the fort, um, and so I was able to really, really devote myself to postpartum and it's what they call the fourth trimester because um, you're learning a whole new thing about your body and your baby. And so that was a really special. <laughs> so cute. Um, I, yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's so nice that you're able to do that. And then during quarantine, I mean, I can't even imagine. It's so weird. Were you, were you fearful at all to go to the hospital and have, have your baby? Oh yeah, definitely. So I remember, um, so I'm based out of Los Angeles where we used to live in downtown and my doctor was in Cedar sinai which is kind of like in the midst of you know, Hollywood. I was born there. Like it's just where I wanted to have a baby. And right. so, but it was also kind of like the hot spot of COVID for LA. And so when that started happening, I just, you know, had few doctor's appointments. They had to, you know, enact protocols. And then the worst was really when they said that my partner couldn't be with me in the labor room. Well, I should say he could be with me in labor, but he couldn't be with me in recovery. Wow. And so that was really tough because I'm just like, I don't know what to expect, but I would want my husband there. Totally. And so I actually changed hospitals and changed doctors like literally in the last six weeks because I was waiting to see if their protocols would change. But um, I just changed because I valued having Kevin there more than totally. the doctor at that point. And so um, that was stressful. And then um yeah, it was stressful just going out and, um, you know, being pregnant and hoping to not get anything, right? So Totally. What a cautions. It's, yeah, it's, it's such a weird time. I think about that, that, you know, frequently. I'm like, my friends that are pregnant or, or that are having, having kids during this time, I think about that. It's, you know, it's already kind of scary to be out there, as it were, on your own, but then to know your, 
you know, protecting this, this thing that you're, you're growing, you know, this thing, yeah. this, this human, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so wild. What would you say? I mean, and you, you listed so eloquently the things that you kind of are still struggling with and, and we all have our struggles and we don't always voice them, which, which I think is, is really powerful because once you voice them, I think it lets other people realize, oh, I can be human too. I can have my struggles. Um, what would you say you do really well? What do you like, man, I really, I crush this. This is the thing. Yeah. Um, well, I guess in the work setting, I guess, um, it's been really empowering to come back actually and to know like the special gifts that I bring um, and really having a team handle the things that not that I just don't want to handle, but that just don't serve me and serve the business. Okay. And so, um, so I can focus on the things that really make me me. And so I think what they are is just one is really um, rallying teams to you know, hit a goal. Um, to me, I'm like, I've always been an achiever winning mentality. And to me, it's like, how do we get there? It's more about the what if not the what if, what if the worst happens? It's mm -hmm. like, what if the best thing could happen? So being an optimist and really rallying teams around that vision, I would say is um, something that I enjoy and I've been able to do. And then also really kind of I guess, cutting through the, the muck to be decisive. So, um, and it's not, a lot of people kind of like have a plate that kind of just mush, push around things on their plate, not really kind of eating the biggest pieces. And so for me, I'm really able to kind of just deliberate effectively and just understand, all right, how, what's the decision that needs to be had and how do we all um, kind of gain the buy-in to get there? Um, so I think that's really important, getting team buy-in alongside the decision-making process. Uh, what's the, what's the, how, I know you're talking about it, it's like a little tougher to rally teams once your team has grown. What's the hardest part about rallying? Like you have a, a large team now, a much larger team than the, than the three co-founders. What's yeah. the most difficult uh, piece of that? Yeah, so I would say that it may be a mentality shift as well, like the people who come into our company um, now may be different than those who are with us in the startup time period. So at that time period, it's like anything goes. And then now it's more like, well, let's just do the things that um, are on this list of, you know, basically project lists. And so it's kind of balancing the startup grit with the um, professionalized, sophisticated, polished view that we want to have. So it's a blend of both. Mm. So I think there's that. And then there's also just um, more opinions in the pot. So when you have a lot of, I guess, um, people in the kitchen, what's that phrase? Like when you have- in the kitchen. Yeah, too many cooks in the kitchen. So if you have that going on, you just may never move the ball forward because everyone has their opinion and then it, nothing actually moves forward. I think, so I think that's a piece of it as well. Um, and so for me, it's about gaining buy-in from everyone on the team. It's like they may not necessarily do that. They may not agree innately, but seeing the, what the pros are for the business and weighing them against the cons allows them to see what the perspective is for business mm. um, and just really rallying them to the vision of what it is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can, I can see how it can be a little harder too, because during the startup time, it's, 
I mean, everyone's just like, let's do this. Like we have to make this happen now. It's a little different. You have to really, really start looking at the culture and who you're hiring and who's going to be the team player uh, to, to keep that train moving just as, as smoothly. So I can definitely see that. Um, so what would you say, you know, from, and it could be those, you know, the more startup grittier days or now to now, um, or all across your lifetime, the biggest lesson you learned from like your, maybe, maybe it was your biggest mistake or, or your biggest, you know, uh, quote unquote failure, if you believe in those. Yeah. So I would say it all goes back to following your gut as um, cheesy and apropos as that may sound, given um, our tagline of healthy is follow your gut. And so you know, I think those biggest failures or just falling on your face moments have been because, um, well, me, I know I think about those that um, those decisions because I was going against that little feeling that you have that tells you, no, like you should give this a second look or no, let's not go down that path. And it's always usually been linked to something of that way. It just didn't feel right. Mm. Um, and so when I think about the biggest mistakes or the biggest failures, um, it's always been because of that. Because you're not listening to your gut or because you didn't follow? I'm not listening to my gut, yeah. Um, And so it always goes back to thinking I should just trust myself more. Mm -hmm. Um, And I need that reminder, apparently. Mm, Yeah. And and to that point, like, what would you say? I mean, that's, I always try to live that way. I'm always like, I got to listen to myself, trust myself, because my gut is typically telling me the the right thing, but my mind keeps going, oh, I know better. Like, let let me go this way. So it's not that my gut is ever necessarily wrong. I just don't listen to it sometimes. Yeah, right, (laughs) right. I know it's a discipline more than anything too. Totally, totally. And it's, it's definitely, it goes just kind of going back to really being centered with yourself and knowing yourself really well so that you can trust and, and just listen to yourself better. Um, to that point, what would you say is the greatest advice you've ever been given? Oh, greatest advice. I would say, um, so the, uh, my seventh grade teacher, she me at the time it was so annoying, but I remember, um, I changed, I kind of changed it to, well, okay. So what she made us read was where there's a will, there's an A, but then at the end of it, she's like, she said, where there's a will, there's a way. Um, and then part of what um, was part of that curriculum, I guess, was, you know, the answer is no, unless you ask. And mm-hmm. so I, I hated it at the, at the time because it was like you know, busy work or I think. And so for me, it's really been able to translate into more of like a opportunity mindset, just thinking about the what if, you know, how what if we went down this path Um, and really just asking questions and trying to see like where the boundaries are, because you just never know. Mm. Um, That's so so good. Yeah. So I think those kind of two ideas go hand in hand. Um, Mrs. Watson laying down the wisdom. (laughs) Mrs. Watson laying down the wisdom. That reminds me of the answer is no, unless you ask. It's so good. But, and it's so simple, but it's so good. It reminds me of that. It's like this ancient, um, I can't, I'm forgetting the word now, not an idiom, 
Oh, like a mantra? Proverb, like a, like a oh, proverb. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. It, it was about like, oh, I went to God and I said, God, let me win the lottery. And he was like, <laughs> have you bought a ticket? Have you bought, have you, have you bought a lotto ticket? You know, and he's like, oh, okay, I'll go buy a lotto ticket. So basically, you know, this guy's like, I want to win the lottery, but you got to take the steps to get, you know, to, you have to do your part <laughs> before it can come and meet you. Right. So the answer is no, unless you ask. Um, what would you tell what would you tell, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old Vanessa, you know, when she was going into, I believe, pharma school, what would you tell her? What advice would you give her knowing what you know now? Um, I would say don't date that guy. <laughs> um, but no, in all seriousness, I would say um, you're going to feel so out of place and insecure, but just know that you're way stronger than you'll ever think that you are. Um, mm. Yeah, just knowing that you are strong beyond words. You can do hard things. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, it's so important because, I mean, we have to learn that lesson almost the hard way. You know, no one really, I, I don't know, like at least I wasn't told when I was younger, you can you can do these hard things. You just almost learn like that you can throughout life. You're right. like, wow, I made it through all these really hard times in my life and now I know I can do hard things. Um, it would be so <laughs> nice if we could get that instilled into us, like programmed into us at, at that young age. It'd be really nice. <laughs> right, I know. Just knowing that will give you the confidence to know that you can. Totally, absolutely. Just believing in yourself too, just knowing that you can you can do the things. Um, And I I think that goes back to also having a great support system or having great friends that support you also just having those people around you in a supportive and encouraging manner um, that, you know, so many of us are so blessed to have, but not everyone has that. Um, So, I mean, it's just, it's uber, uber important. Um, And, you know, I, I guess, is there anyone in that sense to from a younger age, even to now, like, is there anyone you look up to, like one of your favorite gritty girls, like women that you said that you saw and you were like, I see they can do it. I know I can, or that's super inspiring to me or whatnot. Yeah. So I would say, um, probably three women come to mind. Um, so two Ali Webb and more recently Ali Webb and Sarah Blakely, I would say oh. are two iconic women to me who've just been able to kind of, you know, hustle, kind of work out of their car and really make their business, their business. And so I love that. Um, I also think that they're, um, you know, going through um, building health aid, it's also been really enlightening just to meet other Asian American entrepreneurs mm-hmm. where I've and really been exposed to a lot of people who look like me. Um, so even at a young age, I never knew that Asian American entrepreneurs really existed um, yeah. because you're supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer. And so for me in that way, I guess looking at um, other Asian American female entrepreneurs has really been um, helpful to me to give me the confidence to know that um, I'm on the right path um, amidst all of my you know traditional cultural upbringings. Yeah. And um, one person has been um, really, I guess, special in that. And I guess that's my, been my grandmother. Um, and so she, she, she didn't like start a huge business, but you know, she raised two kids, brought them out of communism, um, single because her husband passed away, but always provided a great life just in terms of 
motherly love, um, you know, making it work here when she moved, knowing um, very little English. And I would say that type of mentality and that type of just, um, you know, grit as yeah. an immigrant is really um, proven, has stayed with me. Wow, that's phenomenal. I always, I'm always just so like impressed by, by single mothers who can do, I mean, first of all, just being a single mother in itself is just, wow. Yeah. But then to move those kids across the world, you know, and, and make it work. That's so incredible. That's so amazing. Um, I, I was thinking about this earlier too. I, I wonder, you know, of course, and I know we've, we've established definitely because family and friends do this all the time. They, they want our best interests at heart. And, and even when they're, you know, gently and lovingly naysaying, um, did any of your family or friends come back to you like, wow, you made this thing incredible. You like built this thing when they maybe originally were kind of like, I don't know about that. Oh yeah, for sure. So, I mean, my parents are probably the prime example because the day before I quit my nine to five job, my mom thought I was going through like a heartbreaking breakup and just like depressed. And so she created a spreadsheet of all my lost wages, all my lost future benefits, all my like, you know, basically summed up all that I was giving up in an Excel spreadsheet. Mm. Um, I remember crying, being on the phone with my dad at the gas station because I was telling him what I was doing and he was just like slightly yelling at me and like wondering what I was doing with my life. And then um, just I was crying at the time. And then, you know, fast forward um, when we're in the farmer's market, I would say maybe like three years later, my mom was sewing all of our like tabletop like demo tabletops um, for our teams. And she wanted to help us at the farmer's market. And she was, she's like, I'm just so proud of you guys. You guys have done it. Um, So that was really special. And then my dad, who's just the most not typical Asian male, I guess, non-communicative, highly unemotional and just like very stoic. He called me pre-COVID, like I think it was around January on my office line and he just said I'm proud of you it was so random and he's like yeah my best friend saw it in um, Atlanta Georgia at like this Costco and he called me to say you know he found it and I'm like okay I had to take Ken to tell you that he saw it for you to say that you're proud of me but okay I'll just take it Um, but yeah no I definitely know that they're proud of me and happy about the way that everything worked out. Um, But it was just funny the way that they um, came a full 180, I guess. Totally. That's, uh, that's, that makes me laugh. The story of your dad, especially, because I think dads are so weird slash men are so weird. (laughs) Yeah. The things that make them like, kind of like speak up and yeah, it's so funny. Um, But tell us, like, I, I see the pop, the, like, there's the, the healthier, you know, alternative to soda that you guys have this new product line. And I, I still haven't tried it yet. I'm really excited to, but tell me like more about that and any other new, like upcoming fun things. Yeah. Wow. 2020, um, although a crazy year in the world has been a um, crazy innovation year for health aid. So we just launched health aid Booch pop, which is essentially soda redefined. So mm-hmm. 
it is offering a great alternative to those who haven't tried kombucha before, but um, looking for a better alternative to soda, high sugar juice, um, anything out there that is just not serving you and they're looking for a better alternative. Yeah. So it's um, essentially soda redefined. And we're excited that it is launching. It's in SoCal right now um, at most of the local grocery stores here. Um, and it'll be available in Whole Foods actually as we speak. It's September, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, and so that's a huge launch for us. And so uh, we know that we've created a great flagship brand with Healthy Kombucha. And now's our opportunity to really target a new consumer looking for something better for you, better than soda. Mm -hmm. And this is really to get them into this world of um, great bubbly products, great for your gut. So it is a blend of prebiotics, magnesium, calcium, um, healthy acids from kombucha. Um, and so that belly benefit blend is making people feel good, but it's also making them feel good because they're not drinking soda. Wow. Uh, so that's our newest, as well as we just launched Healthy Plus, which is um, found in Whole Foods at the moment. Uh, so it's nationwide exclusive with Whole Foods until the end of the year. And um, that is um, a, a new line, part of our kombucha flagship line. And that is essentially seven functional states that we're looking at, uh, where we've basically added amazing adaptogens, functional ingredients to our kombucha that everyone knows and loves. And so we have flavors like chill. That is a blend of lavender. Um, We have happy, we have belly reset, we have energy. So all of these uh, functional states that maybe people are looking for. So it's really getting more out of the healthy kombucha that everyone's so used to. I love it. I can't wait to go to Whole Foods. Uh, oh yeah, you'll be like a giddy girl in a in with a shopping cart. I'm so excited! Yeah, I'm gonna. I have to go later this week because I want to get a whole bunch of booch pop now. Um, what would you tell everyone, as you know, all women of all ages or men that are listening to? Because you know, men love this show also. Um, <laughs> but what would you tell them as like kind of your parting words? Like, what is what does grit mean to you, and why is it so important for them in their lives? Yeah, grit is probably that single most important, that je ne sais quoi that kind of gets you through the hardest times. It's just digging deep and hustling when you need to hustle, kind of like pivoting when you need to pivot, um, thinking outside of the box and just going that extra mile to do the thing, whatever that thing is. Um, And so there's a great book by um, called Grit by Angela Duckworth. And That's one of my greatest inspirations for this show. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, and seeing her speak is awesome to just really um, kind of manifest all that grit is. Mm-hmm. And so you can have all the talent in the world and you can have all the passion in the world and you can work really hard. But, you know, that grit is what gets you kind of that extra notch and the extra mile to really succeed. Um, and so tap into that because it really gets you where you need to go. Amen, sister. Amen. <laughs> I know when I when I read that book years ago, that's where this started kind of formulating. It was originally something else. And then and then, of course, COVID really organically turned it into, you know, something I could do from home or, or wherever. So um, 
Awesome. I, I am so grateful you came on and you shared this because it's so inspiring. People don't always know the grassroots stories of these big names that they know and love, these big brands they know and love. So um, I think it's I think it's super, you know, lovely to hear it. I'm so grateful you shared because I know sometimes it's kind of like, ah, no, we're doing so great now. I don't want to talk about this. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's so I think it's so empowering for so many people that are maybe looking to make a change, especially these days where it's almost necessary for a lot of them. A lot of industries are going away. A lot of uh, jobs, you know, aren't aren't things are just not the same. Yeah. So um, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so grateful. And I can't wait to see yeah. Oliver grow, get big. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, hopefully, hopefully you get to meet him at some point. I hopefully know. not 10 at that point. <laughs> I know, totally. Uh, yeah. Totally. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And I, I hope we can do it again sometime. But I'm I in the meantime, I'm just gonna enjoy keeping up with you on your Instagram and and watching you and your cute family just keep, you know, doing the fun things. So Yeah, of course. Keep, stay tuned. More to come. More to come. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, oh man. I hope you really enjoyed that conversation and got to see just a glimpse into the life of a woman who just knew that there was so much more out there. Um, I think we've all felt that way at some point in our lives, and sometimes we just need that extra nudge to really act on our instincts. And in this case, you know, it, it sounds like, well, sometimes that is your support system. Sometimes those are your champions around you, your friends, your, your you know, co-conspirators the people around you that just really see you and your potential and everything inside of you that makes you so special and and lets them know that you can actually really just do any and all of the things. So find your people. Find your people. If you haven't already, um, they may be that missing piece to you really getting out there and chasing whatever that dream is that sometimes seems so far out of reach until you meet your team. Go meet your team. It was really great catching up with Vanessa. And again, you know, in context, we recorded this at the very beginning of October, end of September last year. Um, when the show took a little bit of a hiatus. So it really just, it was, it was so fun to edit this and, and listen back on our conversation because it just really brought me back to a time where, wow, we were just really in lockdown uh, still. And, you know, she had just had a baby. Um, and, and, you know, just kind of the, the fear around what does that look like when you're having a child in this environment? Uh, you know, of a pandemic and whatnot. So, and we'll have to do a catch up part two of Vanessa Do um, as Oliver is nearing his first birthday. And we can see, you know, kind of how that home team is progressing and kind of get into the dynamic of having that new personal squad and um you know how operations are going at good old health aid kombucha with all their their new lines out of product which is is really really cool and exciting but in the meantime like i mentioned before go find your team 
Thanks so much for listening. I'm Jillian Christie, and this is Gritty Girls. <laughs>